0: Well, what is up, Emmanuel? How are you feeling today? Man, I hope you're as excited as I am because we are starting a brand new series today called All In. And just for the record, I don't play poker. I don't know how to play poker, but uh, we couldn't think of anything else uh, to make a video about. But anyway, uh, we're excited. No, that's not true either, but we just wanted to have a little bit of fun with you. If you're a guest with us here today, we want to welcome you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, hopefully you feel um, comfortable, and, and so far your experience has been a good one, starting in the parking lot and all the way to this moment right here. And so we are starting a brand new series called All In. And you know, something that I love to do is watch individual performers perform at their highest levels. Does anybody else enjoy that? I mean, it's, it's incredible. I, I love watching people who've worked really, really hard, to, who've hon- who have honed their craft over many, many years, get on a stage or get on some sort of platform and just really nail it. It's, it's one of my, my most enjoyable things to do, which is why I really enjoyed watching Michael Jordan growing up in high school, uh, because he was the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Anyway, who's LeBron? Yeah, what, I'm ta- what am I talking about? Six rings? LeBron's got to get six before he's even in the conversation. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? I heard somebody call him the goat. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, but I just, I just enjoyed watching Michael Jordan play so much because he would do things on the court that you just you sit there and you go, how did he do that? And, and, and in fact, recently, you know, in fact, last year, I, I was watching Steph Curry pretty closely. Just, and I, of course, Golden State did great last year. But I was watching him on an individual basis. And did you know that last year he broke his own three-point record? He made 286 three-point, no, it was yeah, 286 three-pointers in uh, 2014, 2015. 2015 through 2016, he made 402 three-pointers. Steph Curry, that's his name right there. It was absolutely amazing. In fact, I went to one of the games recently, uh, last year, uh, when he played against the Pacers. It was like watching a circus act. He had so many shots. I was like, how is he doing that. In fact, if you go to YouTube, you can google 402 3-pointers made in the 2015-2016 season and it'll take you 9 minutes. They will show you every single 3-pointer he made. I watched it. I did. It was like one of the greatest 9 minutes of my entire life. And it's just some of them are from half court, some of them are with hands in his face, he's falling away, he's coming off the dribble. It's mind-blowing. But I just love watching people perform at peak levels. Sometimes it's not even basketball. We went to the the Toby Mac concert two weeks ago my family and you talk about an individual performer. That dude's 50 years old. He kept a packed house at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, totally engaged for over an hour. My wife sang and danced the entire time. I mean, Toby Mac was, he was on his game that night. You know what we say when we watch people when they're performing like that? What do we say about them? They're in the what? They're in the, man, they're in the zone. love that. It's, just, it's, it's inspiring. and it, I don't know, it just motivates you, and you get excited. It's like, how did he do that? How did she do that? And you know, you know how they did it, right? They just woke up one day, and they had this gift. and <laughs> They just got on the court, and they got on the stage, and they started singing or rapping or shooting or playing the violin or whatever they do. No, it didn't happen that way. The, the reason that they, those types of people are able to perform in the zone frequently is because of the hours and hours and hours years of grinding and working. Am I right? They didn't just wake up one day with this gift to do what they do. I love what Tony Robbins said. He said, there's no abiding success without commitment. What does that mean? In other words, you cannot have massive amounts of success. You can't live in the zone without going all in every single We're starting a series today called All In. You know what it's about? It's about commitment. See, I believe that there's a spiritual zone that you and I are supposed to live in. I really do. If we could use that terminology and just transfer it over to the spiritual life. Jesus came to help us live in the spiritual zone. What am I talking about? I'm talking about abundant life. I'm talking about a life that that is filled with love and joy and peace. Uh, The type of life where, where you have Really good relationships that are, that are of, of extreme quality. Beautiful relationships. I'm talking about the type of life where you're able to forgive those who offend you very quickly and not hold a grudge. And have no root of bitterness in your heart. I'm talking about the type of life that, that when things don't go your way, you don't freak out. and You're not stressed out. and You don't have these explosions of anger. You just kind of chill no matter what happens. You're at peace. Because peace... Is rest of soul that's rooted in the greatness and goodness of a faithful God. That's the spiritual zone. A life free from addictions, a life free from fear, a life free from anxiety or or worry or or addictions of some sort to prescription pills or alcohol or something else. The spiritual zone. I'm trying to live in the spiritual zone every day. I am. That's, that's, That's the goal of my life. Jesus said, I came to give you life, and I came to give it to you abundantly. No half measures. I want to fill up your cup. I want to live in the spiritual zone. How about you? I want every single day of my life to be beautiful and wonderful and a masterpiece, as Coach John Wooden said and challenged us to do. But I don't find many people who are living in the spiritual zone. Even myself, many days I'm not in the spiritual zone. Why is that? And I believe it's because we're not going all in. Why are so few Christians living in the zone? We're not going all in. We're not, we're not committing. We're just kind of toying with the whole idea. We're saying, I'll go to church. I'll give, I'll give God an hour of my time. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of put some effort into this thing called the spiritual life or eternal life or abundant life, but I'm not going to go. I'm not going to put all my chips in. I'm not going to give a hundred percent commitment. Well, then you won't experience the spiritual zone. Dallas Willard was an observer of Christians. He, he was a college professor uh, in a, at a secular school, a philosophy professor. He dealt with people. He spoke in churches. He was a Prolific author, he wrote about this situation. Listen to what he said. It doesn't work. He talks about talking about the spiritual life. If it, the spiritual life, if it doesn't work at all, or if it only works and sort of fits and starts, it's because we don't give ourselves to it in a way that allows our lives to be taken over by it. What does he say? We're not giving ourselves over to this life in such a way that it would actually create the abundant life that we were made to live. We're n- basically we're not going all in. And you've done this in other, other areas of your life, haven't you? Maybe there's a you got all excited about losing some weight, so you went on that diet, right? And you thought you were you thought you were all in because you had good intentions. Anybody ever been there? And you know, I really feel it. I'm excited. And then you you know, you put out maybe you even make a plan and, and you get some 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 different food, you go to the grocery store and then, you know, a week later or maybe not even 3 days later, you know, you're back with the chocolate and the bread and the carbohydrates, right? Or, or maybe it was a workout routine. You thought, no, this time I'm really going to get in shape. And, 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 you, and you, only, you don't go all in. And so, you know, you don't make it to the gym or you don't get on that treadmill or whatever it is. Or maybe, maybe it was in the area of finances where you thought, okay, this time we're going to take the Dave Ramsey class and we're going we're to get on a budget. We're going to stick to that budget. We're going to follow the baby steps and save the emergency fund and we're going to do all that stuff. And, and, then, and then, you know, like, I don't know, three weeks later, you know, you're just spending money like crazy getting that credit card back out, swiping it. And we don't get the results that we're hoping for. Maybe you've done this with a marriage. You got married, and you thought you were all in, and you thought you were in love, but, but you weren't. You didn't, go. you didn't go all in. You didn't commit yourself. And so because this happened or that happened, you find yourself on the verge of divorce or divorced. Isn't it because we didn't go all in? I believe it's true. We've done this in different areas of our lives. It's one of the reasons I don't have a book. (laughs) Because I have really good intentions I want to write a book one day. Have you heard about it? I've been telling you for five years. (laughs) In fact, at one point I wrote like 10,000 words. I did, I really did. It's on my computer. (laughs) And I thought I was all in and I thought I put all the chips in. I'm going to write a book. I don't have a book. Here's why. Because I'm not all in. I'm not. I thought I was, but I'm not. And see, when we don't go all in, when we don't give 100% commitment to the thing we said we were going to do, we don't get the results that we want. It's actually called the law in your notes there. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. It's very simple. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. In other words, you get out what you put in. You cannot get a result if you don't put in the work. That's another way to say it. In the Bible, Galatians chapter 6, some of you wonder, is this in the Bible? It absolutely is. Listen. Paul, the apostle Paul says, don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. Check it out. God is not going to be mocked, made fun of, right? For whatever one, say it with me, sows, whatever you put in, that will he also, say it with me, reap. You get out what you put in. I remember years ago when I was a college student at Liberty University. as about a sophomore or junior in college. I was a brand new Christ follower and and I was so excited. I had a, had a really dramatic conversion. I mean, I went from you know serving myself in the and at the the enemy, and I didn't know it at that time, but I was caught up in, I was caught up in worldly things, all the way up to my to my neck. And then and then Christ changed my life. I had this massive conversion, and I had this excitement for about a year or two. But then I kind of hit a wall, and I noticed the other people around me. They were experiencing a high level of of joy and peace, but I was still struggling with many of my old behaviors and patterns. And habits. I was like, "What's going on? Why can't I make progress? I feel like I've hit a wall. I still had a lot of guilt, a lot of shame in my life." God, God showed this to me. He said, "Here's the deal: you're not sowing correctly. You're sowing to the wrong place." Watch verse eight. This is what God showed me: "For the one who sows to his own flesh, his old sinful nature, will from that sinful nature or the flesh reap what corruption." That's what I was experiencing discouragement, defeat, in the areas of anger or lust or all these different bad patterns that I had created and years spent away from God. I was a Christian, I was a Christ follower, but I was still reaping corruption because I was still sowing into my old nature. Anybody with me? And then God showed me the second half of the verse. But, however, on the other hand, watch this, the one who sows to the Spirit, capital S, that's important. Not your own spirit. The one who sows to what spirit? The Holy Spirit, who now lives inside of you because you're a believer in Christ. The one who sows to the Holy Spirit will from the Holy Spirit reap what? Eternal life. Not going to heaven when you die, which is very important. (laughs) We're going to spend far more time there than we will here. Amen? (laughs) You got to make sure you're going to go to the right place after you die. But he's also talking about your life right now. If you sow into the Holy Spirit, if you cultivate a relationship with him, if you let him have control of your life, if you, if, you let him have, if, you, if you feed the Spirit inside, guess what? You are going to reap that eternal life, that quality of life, that in the zone, if we could use that terminology, type of life. Well, that's what I started to do. I started to sow to the Spirit. I started to get my Bible out. And I started to read more. I started to pray more. I started to spend more time alone studying the Bible. I started to, I, I actually chose on my hall, there's like 60 guys on my hall. And I, I started to handpick the guys that I would spend time with. There was about six of them. Yeah, we just went everywhere together. I said, "You're gonna be my friend, and you're gonna be my friend, and you're gonna be my friend, and you're gonna be," my... and and you can ask my wife when the service is over. I I picked the most godly guys on my hall. I said, "We're just gonna be friends." That's how it's going to go. Because I don't really know how to do all this, and, 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 and I need to learn from you guys how. And what was I doing? I was sowing to the Spirit, and I got around these people. Because you are the average of the five closest people you spend the most time with. right? Isn't that true? Right? We become like those we hang around with. So I started to leverage that principle, and I started to listen to different. I started to listen to DC Talk. Do you remember them? This is going way back. I had never heard of them. you know. Uh, and so I started to listen to different music, and I, I stopped sowing to the flesh. And so I noticed there was less corruption. I started sowing to the Spirit, and I noticed there was more of that living in the zone, that eternal life. And most, most Christ followers, they don't understand this. We don't understand this. And so we watch what we want to watch on television. We listen to what we want to listen to on the radio. We watch what we want to watch in the movies. And, you know, we, just, we, ta- we take stuff into our eyes and our ears. And we don't even really notice, like, who we're hanging around with. Like, oh, we'll just hang out with anybody. We don't really notice how they're rubbing off on us. And then we wonder why we're not experiencing a sort of in the zone type of life. It's because we're sowing to the flesh and we're reaping corruption instead of sowing to the spirit and reaping eternal life. You know, the cost, The co- what is the cost of experiencing this type of in the zone, this type of eternal living? The cost is full devotion. Jesus made it clear. He told us if you want this sort of life like this 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 grand in the zone eternal life it's going to cost you 100 percent full devotion you're going to have to go all in one day when jesus was teaching I'll, I'll just show it to you a large crowd started to follow him because he was doing some pretty cool stuff i mean he was healing some peeps and some some blind peeps and some dead peeps brought him back to life i mean he was doing some cool stuff okay and when you do cool stuff People start to say, hey, what's, do you hear about that guy, right? Imagine if Jesus was alive today, stuff would go viral. Like, you know what I'm saying? He would be like the most popular dude ever. But so anyway, they didn't have all that stuff, but he was still pretty popular. So large crowds were traveling with Jesus because he was doing cool stuff, right? His sermons were pretty good too. And all of a sudden, now, he says something. Now, what he says, before we show it to you, what he says is not what I probably would have said. Because I like large crowds, and I want them to keep coming, okay? That's kind of the, you know, we want to reach people with the gospel. And, and, and what, what they're probably expecting to hear him say is something like this. Hey, guys, so glad you're here. Man, it's, it's, it's exciting. There's energy in the crowd today. And if you follow me, here's what's going to happen. Your life is going to be filled with joy and peace and meaning and purpose. And I'm telling you, keep coming back. Bring your friends. I would have said that. That's not what he says. Instead, he turns to the crowd and says, hey, guys, if anybody wants to come to me, (laughs) so strange, and does not hate father and mother, large crowd, big crowd, to which I would have said, Jesus, whoa, 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 time out. You're going to drive everybody away. I know, I know, I know. Jesus, I know, I know. If anybody comes to me and doesn't hate his father and mother, brother and sister, wife and child, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple what? What is he doing? He's ruining his ministry. No one's going to come back tomorrow. What does this even mean? You know know what he's doing? He's letting the crowd know the cost of eternal life. Not going to heaven when you die. That's free. That's free. Come on, come on, come on. Grace is free. eh? Amen? (laughs) But the cost of of this in-the-zone, eternal, abundant life. You know what it is? You're going to have to go all in. What does he mean by hate father and mother? He doesn't mean to go hate your father and mother, brother. He doesn't mean that. that. That would contradict other statements that he made. Jesus isn't asking us to hate anybody. He's just saying, here's the deal. Your love for me must be so supreme that all other loves that you have look like hatred when you compare them. That's what he means. I love pizza especially Staten Island pizza. It's crispy, it's cheesy, you can't get it around here in, in Hoosier State. Just can't get it. I've, I've looked. Staten Island New York pizza is one of a kind. I love it. But when you compare my love for crispy Staten Island New York City pizza to the love that I have for my precious wife, this love looks like hatred. It doesn't even compare. I wouldn't die for a pizza. <laughs> But I would die for my wife. See how that works? Jesus is saying, I know, I know you have other loves, but when, when you compare the loves that you have in this world, compare, can, when you compare it to the love that you're supposed to have for me, it should look like hatred. You know, one time Jesus said this. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like when a person is out in the field and he discovers hidden treasure and he covers it up. And Then he goes and he sells all of his possessions, gets the cash, and he comes back and he buys that field. That's what Jesus said one time, because of the treasure. Now, what is the treasure? The treasure is Christ. The treasure is the kingdom. Jesus was trying to communicate, unless you understand how supremely valuable I am, you're not in a a position to, to pay the price to be my follower. You have to love me supremely, which is why the number one commandment is what? You shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. It's the number one commandment like like that's if you if you strip it all down like what's the thing god you want me to do with my life love me love me value me as supreme in your life because if you value me as supreme in your life here's what you're going to do you're going to follow me you're going to adore me you're going to obey me you're going to get your whole life in alignment with what i have to say about every area of your life wow that's all starts with loving christ supremely then jesus says this in verse 27 As if that wasn't enough. As if his crowd is not going, I can't breathe. (laughs) Right? He says, and whoever does not carry his own cross. Now they knew what that meant. They meant that they knew that Jesus meant you're going to have to die. Not physically, but you're going to have to die to living for yourself. Whoever doesn't die to selfishness and follow me cannot find eternal life or abundant life. And that's what he meant by being my disciple. A disciple who's one who engaged in pursuing this in-the-zone type of spiritual life. Unless you're willing to turn from your selfish ways. Jesus, another, in another place, Jesus would say this, whoever gives away his life will find it. But whoever tries to hang on to his life and live selfishly will lose it. Wow. And again, this large crowd. Why was he saying these things? Because he wanted them to know what it was going to take, what the cost was. And the cost was full devotion. Now, I know, I know some of you are in a large crowd here like this. You're saying, well, I didn't sign up for that. I mean, I like church, and Danny, I might like you a little too. The music is good, but 100% commitment to Christ all in? I don't know about that. Well, consider 99.9% commitment in the following scenarios. commitment equals one hour of unsafe drinking water per month in your home. How about that? Hey, kids, here's a cup of water. 99.9% commitment equals two unsafe landings at the O'Hare airport every day. 99.9% commitment equals 16,000 lost pieces of mail per hour in the United States. And that probably already happens. My father was a postal worker, I can say that. 99.9% commitment means 20,000 incorrectly filled drug prescriptions every year. Oops, got the wrong pills. 99.9% commitment equals 50 newborn babies dropped every single day at birth. 99.9% commitment. 99.9% commitment means 22,000 checks that were deducted from the wrong account every hour. woo. 99.9% commitment means that your heart fails to beat 32,000 times every year. Can we afford to be 99.9% committed? In certain scenarios, we just won't tolerate it. Why would we tolerate it in the spiritual life? Why would we think that we're going to be able to experience all that God has for us if we're just kind of going halfway in? "Ah, I'll give God a little bit of my life but not all of it. The cost of following Christ, the cost of experiencing eternal life is going all in. So what does that look like? Practically speaking, what does it look like to go all in? A couple of thoughts, and then we'll wrap up. Number one, you got to trust Christ to forgive your sins. That's how you get in the game. That's how you put the uniform on. That's how you enter in, okay? That's where you start. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is the, this is the major thing here. Top priority. First thing you got to know. Watch this. That Christ has died for our sins. Not his sins. He was perfect. He was sinless. He died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And he was buried, and he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. How do you get in this game? Some of you today, you need to trust Christ to forgive your sins. He will cancel out the penalty. It will no longer be held against you, and you will begin a relationship with God today. But that's not where it stops in fact, that's just where it starts. Far too many Christ followers stop right there. They say the prayer, oh, Jesus, thank you, forgive my sins. Oh, I'm in. Okay, good. I'm good to go. Now I'm going to move on with my life. That's not how it works. Watch this. Next, we need to trust Christ with our whole life, with our entire life. What does going all in look like? It looks like we push our whole life and put, or put our whole life into the hands of Christ. We trust Him with everything. Listen to what the Bible says. I'm not making this up. Trust in the Lord with how much? Say it with me? All of your heart. Not a portion of it, not a third of it, not a quarter of it, not even 75% of it. With all your heart. And, don't, and do not lean on your own understanding. You know, I've contemplated that statement for a long time. What does that mean? It means stop acting like God. Stop leading God your own life. You're not the boss. When you, when you take your life, when you trust Christ, you're saying, Jesus, you are the Lord. I'm not gonna lean on my own understanding. I'm gonna lean into your understanding. Watch this. In all your ways, not just some of your ways, in all of your ways, in the way you parent your children, in the way you do your marriage, in the way you do your budgeting and your spending and your finances, in the way you handle your sexuality and your relationships and your online presence, in all of your ways, with your whole life, here's what I want you to do. Acknowledge me. What does that mean? Just acknowledge me. Acknowledge that I'm the one in charge. Acknowledge that I might have something to say about what you post online. Hello. Come on. Somebody say preach it. Because some of you are posting stuff that's just idiotic. You didn't run anything past Jesus when you posted that, right? You've been leaning on your own understanding, then you hit post or send. or Right? In all your ways, acknowledge Jesus. He's here. He's with me. What do you think about this purchase, about this idea, about this plan, about this new strategy? This is not my life. I put my life in your hands. What do you think? Acknowledge him and then watch what he promises. This is why many of you are missing out on the eternal life because you're not doing it this way. Then he says, I will make your paths straight. I will show you the way to go. I will lead your life. You will not get into the wrong marriage. You will not get into the wrong job. You will not get into the wrong business partnership. You will not make those types of mistakes because I will be leading your life. You'll be acknowledging me in all your ways. Far too many of us handle our life this way. This isn't a full representation of our life, but it's close. Our life has a lot of different categories. A lot, far too many of us, we, we pray the prayer, we get Jesus in our life, <laughs> okay? It's Jesus. If you want to touch him after the service, you can... And, and what we do is we, we put Jesus in a little box. Said the prayer, you know, maybe maybe I'll put him in the church box, the spiritual box, the small group box, or the box on Sunday morning, or whatever. But... We fail to, but what we do is we take our home life and we keep it over here in this box. And we never ask Jesus about how to do the parenting thing or the marriage thing or any of that stuff. He stays here. We do our home life the way we want to do it. Same thing with our thought life. (laughs) It's just what we came up with there. We just... (laughs) We don't, we, don't, we don't take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. We just, we just think how we want to think. We keep our lives compartmentalized. And then there's, there's our finances. We, just, we don't even run our finances. This looks like a lot of money, but they're all ones. So anyway. <laughs> we say, Jesus, no, you can't speak to that. You stay here. I do my money my way. I'm going to lean in my own understanding when it comes to finances. not going to let you touch that. Another area we don't let him touch is our friendships and our social life. We don't even ask him, Jesus, should I get in a relationship with this person? We just think they're cute. We just think they're fun. Right? Or well, they know a lot of people. And we just go ahead and we just move forward. Another area huge is our entertainment. We just watch what we want to watch, movies. We don't even run that past them. We say, Jesus, stay out of this. This one's mine. You stay here. Another area is our sexuality. I didn't have a prop for that one. (laughs) Actually, I do, but you don't want to see it. (laughs) But no, no, but this is a big one. This is a big one. Right here, this is a big one. We say, Jesus, you're absolutely not going to touch this one. Because your ideas for sexuality are way outdated. Way outdated. Not progressive at all. You know? Today, people live together. Get with it. Get with it. (laughs) You live together before you get married. Come on, right? So we don't even let them come close to our sexuality. Big one. Last one, one of the last ones, our work life. You know, we don't, we we just go to work and we don't even, we don't take Jesus with us. And I already mentioned this one, our online life. We just keep it all compartmentalized and Jesus is not allowed to touch any of it. And many of us are running our, sp- our lives like this. There's other, ca- other categories. There's food. I didn't, I didn't have space for food on here. I'm just here to tell you today, this does not work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work this way. The spiritual life, the in-the-zone, abundant life doesn't work this way. In fact, when there were some people trying to do this, Early on, Jesus had this to say to them in Luke chapter 6. Why are you saying to me, you keep calling me Lord, Lord? All that simply means is why are you, you're saying, you're verbalizing that I'm in charge. That's what the word means. I'm in charge, I'm in charge. Why are you saying that? But then on the back end, you're not doing what I say. Because Jesus has things to say about your life. You trust me to forgive your sins, but you don't trust me with your sexuality? You trust me to forgive your sins, but you don't trust me when it comes to marriage, my ideas on marriage and how to do all that? Or or my ideas on parenting? You you trust me to forgive your sins, but you don't think I know about parenting? Really? Come on. No wonder you're stuck. No wonder you're not experiencing abundant life. In fact, can I ask you a tough question today? How many of you would honestly say, honestly say, we're in church, don't lie, that you're doing it this way right now. Just raise your hand. This is the way you're currently doing it. Thank you for your honesty. This doesn't work. Here's what we have to do, guys, and and this is the the, the process that I'm in. We have to take our social life, our friendships, we have to put it in here. We've got to take our thoughts, especially our thoughts, put them in. We gotta take our sexuality, put it in. We gotta gotta take our our, our online presence. We gotta take all of these things, our cash. We have to take it. I'm telling you, our home life, we've got to say, Jesus, it's all, it's all yours. I surrender. I give it to you. The whole thing, my whole life, I'm gonna put it in your hands. It's only then that we even have a shot at experiencing what Jesus meant when he said, I've come to give you life, and I've come to give it to you abundantly. You've got to go all in. Someone doesn't get in the zone by waking up and rolling out of bed. They get in the zone by grinding every day, surrendering every day to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Somebody say amen. Amen. Now let me close. Let me close this way. Let me close this way. We're going to get this wrong. We're going to mess it up. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about sinlessness. I'm talking about direction and intention. We are going to fail. We are going to sin. We're going to screw it up, and that's what grace is all about. But I'm talking about, God, I'm going to put my whole life in your hands, and when I mess it up, forgive me, cleanse me, pick me up, get me back up, put me back on the right track. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Anybody excited about that? 1 John 1, 9, right? I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about taking your life and putting it and trusting God with your entire life. Now, I love ending with a question because it's something for you to ponder for the high, for the entire week. Here's my question today. Will you go all in? And here's what I'm really asking you. Will you trust him with your whole life? Like time's going by. Like here's the thought I have sometimes. What are you waiting for? When are you going to decide to commit? When are you going to decide to say Jesus, I'm 100% in. I'm all in and when I mess up, forgive me, cleanse me, pick me up, but I'm all in. I'm going to give you my entire life. I don't want to wait any longer. So I've been doing this for a while and I feel like sometimes it's two steps forwards one step back but you know what we're making making progress will you go all in if you feel God tugging on your heart today you want to know why you want to know what that is it's not me guys it's God saying yes yes this is me speaking to you why would you ever call me Lord Lord and not do what I say why wouldn't you trust me with all of your life let's go let's go let's go take your job put it in my hands Take your marriage, put it in my hands. Take your finances, put it in my hands. Trust me, trust me, trust me. That's God speaking to you right now, not me. There's some of you here today, you need to get in the game. You need a jersey. You need a uniform, okay? You need to trust Christ to forgive your sins. You're not even in the game yet. You're just on the fringes. You're watching. You're a fan. You're a spectator. You need to ask Christ right now, in this moment, to forgive your sins, to wash away your sins. You need to become a child of God. You say, how would I do that? You just simply acknowledge that he died on the cross for you. He rose again three days later so you can be forgiven of all your sins, so you can have a a relationship with God, be reconciled to God. You know who you are, and this moment is designed for you. So right now, without anybody moving around and leaving and opening doors in this holy moment this sacred moment would you just would you pray and ask christ to be your savior it's a very simple prayer close close your eyes and say this simple prayer you can take these words make them your own words say this jesus i trust you i trust and believe that you died on the cross to wash away all my sin. You rose again so that I could be forgiven. You paid the price. I now put my confidence and my trust in you as my Savior and my Lord. Help me from this day forward to take my whole life, every aspect of it, and put it in your hands and trust you. I pray this in Christ's name. Can we give God a hand for what he's done today? Isn't it exciting? Hey, as we wrap up, as we wrap up, those of you who put your faith in Christ today, you took that first step, you got in the game, you know who you are. We wanna put a gift in your hand today as you walk out. It's a one-year New Testament. I believe with all of my heart, if you would take the time, we're gonna talk more about this next week, if you would take the time every day just to take a little bit of God's word into your mind, into your soul, He begins changing you and shaping you and molding you. So we want you to have one of these today if you pray to receive Christ today. These are also for sale in the bookstore, not to make money, but just to have them available to you if you'd like to have one of these, but you've already been a Christian for a while. And so I'm excited to be part of this. For the rest of us, for the rest of us, here's what I'm gonna challenge you to do. Actually, all of us right here. Today, right? Today, take your whole life This is is one of the reasons I don't yell at basketball games anymore. Remember years ago, I used to tell you to yell at the referees? Remember that? No? You don't remember that? My wife remembers it. I used to yell at the top of my lungs, that's a terrible call! Foul! And what I realized is that I wasn't taking my dad at basketball games moments, it wasn't in the Jesus box. But I put it in the Jesus box. And now I don't yell at basketball games anymore. And I protect the reputation of our church at the same time. (laughs) That's a little bit of progress, amen. (laughs) Take your whole life, take your whole life. Put it in the hands of Christ. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we trust you today. We love you. Today was a hard message. But you've called us to full devotion. You've told us to love you supremely. And that's the cost of experiencing this eternal life, this abundant life that you've given us, this in-the-zone spiritual living. Help us to go all in and trust you with our life. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Next week, week number two of All In. You're not going to want to miss it. Bring a friend. If you pray to receive Christ, grab a Bible on your way out.